Often imitated, never duplicated, baby. It is the Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Sabzu, the radar, our radio star, here with you for your Wednesday Q&A. And wow, uh, when I put out the call to say, hey, you know, the trough's getting a little low on questions, uh, did you patrons answer? (laughs) Because I've got a lot. But keep them coming, because again, we do this every Wednesday, and I try to pack in as many questions as I can. In fact, something else, uh, like sometimes I will use those questions for when we we do the live hangout Q and a, um, where, you know, people can join in and, you know, I literally do it live on Google hangouts. Um, and it's such a great time, but if I have like preloaded questions for that and say, people are still coming in, you know, getting back from their day, whatever, and then they log in, um, or if there, you know, isn't a lot of questions going on in the YouTube live chat, I'll often use those there. So they're great for me to have any questions you have, you know, send them on. Uh, and if it's something that's like really, holy shit, I need to know the answer now, you know, you can tell me that and I'll try to get to it as quick as I can in various Wednesday Q and A's. But anyway, got a few things to talk about here before we get into uh, the questions. And one of them, this just popped up. Uh, I was looking at looking at an insider build of Windows 10, where the October update, of course, is coming out in, obviously, October. Well, we hope it's October, right? Remember the April update, 2018? That didn't come out till May. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we'll see on that. But anyway, um, apparently now, and actually there's some news sources that are already reporting on it, uh, but apparently, or not apparently, I saw it. The when you try to install, say, Firefox, and I think really it's any other browser that you try to put on there, if you try to put on browser or Chrome or whatever, um, it'll come up with a dialogue now that says, hey, you've already got Microsoft Edge. You know, I mean, more or less, it says that it says you already have Microsoft Edge, the safer browser, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Not that that's an untested claim that it's a safer browser. Uh, Of course, there might be reasons why it's safer, not necessarily anything to do with code or it's, uh, you know, tech stack. Okay, it it really has more to do with that, that most um, uh, malicious actors don't see it as a as a target, I suppose. But anyway, I thought that this was this is pretty interesting. Not that Microsoft hasn't tried this bullshit before. I mean, they, they have, like where in the um, in the file explorer, there'd be like an ad effectively for OneDrive and so on. I mean, I'm kind of of two minds on this when I saw it. You know, in, in one sense, okay, I mean, is there anything wrong with it? Like Windows is Microsoft's platform. Of course, they're going to, you know, ask you to use the software that's already there. And honestly, going with software minimalism, even if that means using Microsoft Edge, isn't a terrible thing, right? We talk about software, you know, that's my concept that we've been talking about for a long time, that, you know, the more software you install, uh, the more gateways, uh, you know, to exploits that are, you know, the more exploits are possible effectively with your with your PC. So it's not like it's a horrible thing necessarily to recommend. I don't see it so much as a strong arm because it's not keeping you from installing it. It's giving you a certain reminder. Um, and, and, I, and, and this is the, the second part of it is that, yeah, it's just fucking annoying, right? In fact, I remember as a teenager, you know, as a very young person, how stupid and annoying I thought it was that it came up with a prompt, that Windows would always come up with a prompt asking, are you sure you want to delete this? Because maybe you don't, you know? And I'm like, no, I fucking hit delete. I want it to go away. Um, I mean, as granted that, that made that box made a little more sense over time when you added in more features to right click. But there was a time where right click, you know, had maybe a maximum of 
six or eight commands to it, and delete was pretty basic. I mean, now you can accidentally hit delete when you're trying to rename something, and that's kind of a problem. And, of course, the real answer is learn your keyboard commands. But, I mean, actually, when I go to delete something, it's usually not in a right-click anyway. I, I firmly use my delete key. I'm a big believer in using the keyboard as much as possible. Uh, as powerful a device as the mouse certainly is, and one that I hope never goes away. But, well, at least on the present trajectory that we're on. But regardless of that, like, I, I get it, you know, it, that, that it's annoying. And for old-time Windows users, it is annoying. And there's something I, I fucking wish. I know this isn't going to happen. And I think I talked about in a recent Sovereign Tech Prime episode about, like, React OS. Like, Windows just needs, at some point, really, Windows needs to be left alone. Like, that, that's really the conclusion I'm coming to is just... You know what? Like, make your money. You know, Microsoft, make your money off of Xbox. You're already doing Xbox as a service, like, literally. Uh, you're pretty much, you know, you couldn't make it in the mobile market. And so, you know, in the mobile phone market. So what you've done is, is you know you've made it fairly well in the video game industry. So you're you're pulling an Apple by offering everybody, you know, like, rental iPhones and, and upgrade plans and everything. You're pretty much pulling an Apple in the console industry. Okay, and I'm not saying that that's not a smart move. I mean, I think it's kind of, I mean, I personally, you know, I'd rather just buy something, have it be one and done. But, you know, I get it. And so make your money off of Xbox. Make your money off of Office 365 because you know you are. You're doing billions. Uh, your Azure service is doing money, but you're, and you're, you know, you teamed up with Walmart. And you're running into problems, of course, with, um, you know, what was it? Like, there was whole server farms for Azure that were down the past couple of weeks, I guess. I mean, so there's that. But regardless, make your money that way and just leave Windows alone. Like, just just be a monastic order, okay, about Windows and just let it sit and let it be. You know, when they said that Windows 10 was going to be the last version of Windows and there'd just be varying updates, you know, okay, yeah, do do security bug fixes and things like this and allow for better compatibility and maybe allow for performance enhancements. But otherwise, just leave the shit alone. You know, it does. You don't need to change anything on it. Like it, it works as it works. And the people that have been around for a good long while, you know, they, they just want it to work that way anyway. And honestly, they're already running Windows 7. And we know how important that is because Microsoft, you know, announced what last week that they're going to extend security updates and patches and, and support for Windows 7 by a few years. Originally supposed to go out 2019. Now it's going into like 2025 or some stupid year. Um it's because people want Windows to be left alone. They just want it to function as it does and go forward. Now, that kind of points at, I think, really what people are missing. Because people are like, oh, this is so fucking annoying. Why are they doing that? You know, we don't need to know about this. It's not going to make us use Edge. Yeah, it won't make, like, longtime user, PC, you know, owners and Microsoft, you know, I don't want to say enthusiasts, but, you know, Windows users. Sure, it's not going to make you switch to Edge from Firefox. It's just not. But who it is going to work on are the is the next generation okay it's going to work on kids and that's what i think people are missing is that a lot of this what you think are annoying advertisements totally 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 can work on children and every one of these tech companies especially amazon is the most egregious as far as this goes um are really making big plans for the up-and-coming generation you know uh tweens teenagers and so on to get locked into their ecosystems Okay, and Microsoft is poised to do that, certainly with Xbox. Right. But 
Yeah, I mean, that that's really who it's for. You think it's annoying. You think it's not going to make you change your mind. You're right. It's both of those things. But then it's also these kinds of, uh, of tactics, of advertising tactics, are not meant for you. They're meant for the next generation to, you know, because they, they, don't, they don't know better. They haven't been using it as long. They're not bought into Firefox. They're not bought into Chrome and so on. And so, you know, someone telling them, hey, you already have this. Why don't you just use that? It's a safer browser. Well, they're going to go for it. You know, not to say the kids aren't smart, but, you know, I think this kind of marketing would work on them. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting that that pops up again. Annoying. Once you install your web browser, you're never going to see it again or as far as I know. So, you know, in a way, who gives a shit? But, you know, just I I think that that's really meant for a completely different demographic, um, you know, than what most people think that it's pointing at. Anyway, on to other things, um, something that you may have noticed. Now, I am still kind of figuring out how exactly this works. Okay. And if any of the patrons want to help me out with this, I'm not sure how this is, you know, why this isn't exactly automatically, automatically happening for people. Okay. So I made some changes and I mentioned this on a previous episode that I released this week for patrons only. It was my book review of the million dollar one person business or whatever it is. Uh, terrible book. So you can listen to me talk about it for about 20 minutes and it's just, it was so horrendous. Um, anyway, I put in for the first time, um, there's always been goals of like what it'll take to get to two episodes of Sovereign Tech per week and so on. Uh, those have shifted a little bit. But the the major thing that I added to Patreon is uh, reward tiers. Now, these are very popular with a lot of patrons that I follow. Well, I don't follow a lot, but, you know, there's a few that I follow. Gaming Historian, Threatwire, so on. Um, but reward tiers are, you know, a way of incentivizing, obviously, people to become patrons or to up their patronage. Full disclosure, you know, <laughs> uh, so and I mean, whatever, you know, people I mean, I've been doing this. I've been putting out content on Patreon for almost two years. Like I've been doing the Wednesday Q&A. What is this? Is this Q&A number? It's episode like 279 of of Patreon and it's Q&A number 113. So however many for a week. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, 52 weeks in a year. That's that's over two years, you know, that I, that I've been doing this and that I kept all Patreon content at the same dollar level. So, but now I've decided to do reward tiers and I'm just letting you know about it. Uh, and the first one, we'll, we'll break these down and then we're going to get into our questions and we got some great questions this week. Uh, but the first one is the Sovereignati Initiate. And the Sovereignati was actually a term coined, like so many of the terms that I use for Sovereign Tech, termed or coined by a Sovereign Tech listener. I don't make the shit up myself. Okay, not really. There's one that I made up myself, but I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so, <laughs> but anyway, the first one is the Sovereignty Initiate. Now, what you're going to get with that, okay, is that you will get most of the podcasts. Oh, well, really, you'll get all of the podcasts that you've already been getting as a patron at, say, whatever level you happen to be at, a dollar or significantly more. Okay, so you're going to get you get the the monthly hangout, you know, the live hangout Q&A. You're going to get the Wednesday Q&As. You're going to get the Star Trek update. You're going to get the Star Wars update. You're going to get Relationship Rhombus. Okay, you're, you're going to get all those the book reviews and, and all that shit. You're going to get all all the usual podcasts that you get. Um, the other, or, and then also, you know, you'll get the most of the posts that you've been getting, you know, the Patreon posts you've been getting for a while. Like a lot of people have really enjoyed my uh, playlist, my workout playlist posts. You get those, um, you get the short fiction posts. Like I said, I'm going to start putting the newsletter, 
uh, into the Patreon, you know, into Patreon itself. Um, you'll get that. And uh, also you get access to the community page. So, uh, you know, you not a whole lot's going to change for you if you're a patron. When we, but when we get into the other reward tiers, you get some add-ons. Okay, so there's not really any changes. It's just now there's going to be some more options for you to get. Um, the next tier is the $5 tier, okay, which here's where things get weird. Um, because I know there's a lot of you, most of you, I think, do like $5 a month. And it didn't seem to auto-add you to this. Okay, so if you, if you are a $5 a month subscriber or, you know, patron, you might want to go to the Patreon page and click join tier and it shouldn't double charge you. Um, if it does, let me know. But I like, I'm, I'm still kind of figuring out exactly how this is working. I've been emailing Patreon to get some answers on it, but you might just have to click join tier and then you're in. Um, but you will get, this is finally like a year and a half. I think after I, I initially announced it, um, user podcast is going to start coming out, but it's only going to be, it's going to be exclusive to the $5 tier. Okay, so the user podcast, which, you know, I could talk about that more when when it comes out. Um, But that's anyway, I have a little description on the Patreon page that you can read about it. But that is that's finally uh, happening. So that that's part of why I I finally started setting up these tiers is because a lot of these things are finally coming to fruition. Um, So the other thing that you'll get with that. So with the five dollar tier you're going to get the user podcast. But then also, I'm going to start sharing stories and little write-ups. Kind of about, and, and we'll get into some of this in this episode, in this Wednesday Q&A, about some of the crazier shit, okay, that, or what I think people would think is crazier shit that I espouse, believe, research, study, etc. Um, you know, this is going to get into maybe more of the conspiratorial stuff, a lot of the history and so on. And I am going to share stories about that and little write-ups about that um, going forward. And But those will only be accessible through the $5 tier. And believe me, I would love to converse with you because it's going to be a Patreon post, right? It's not going to be... Um, it's not going to be like a, uh, a podcast. Okay. They're just going to be Patreon posts where I'll share a link and I'll talk about it and whatever. I would love for people to talk with me on those posts, you know, and, and share your thoughts and we can converse because Patreon has that social aspect to it where you can do that. So, uh, I'm pretty excited about sharing those because honestly, I just feel a need. I need to talk about this shit with somebody. Okay. <laughs> and it might as well be you, you know, cause you're, I already know you're interested because you're paying to hear me. So, <laughs> so what the hell? But, uh, but anyway, that the reward level for that, you know, reward levels have names, whatever. And people usually give like a title to a person at those reward levels. Um, that is a, if you go for the $5 tier, you are a dilettante in the triple black arts. Now the triple black arts, in fact, this is, this is kind of funny. Um, well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about triple black in a minute here, but, um, anyway, let's go to the the third reward tier and there might be more in the future that I'm going to add in as more things get released. Um, but right now we have three reward tiers and the third one is definitely a high dollar one. It's the hundred dollar reward tier. And this is for the master of the triple black arts. So if you do a hundred dollars a month, you are a master of the triple black arts. Uh, how do you get mastered at the triple black arts? <laughs> well, uh, the hundred dollar reward tier gives everything that all the others do, but it gives, but once a month you will get a private one hour conversation, uh, with me, 
you know, we'll set it up. We'll do it over Skype or Hangouts, you know, whatever makes you comfortable. Hell, we could even do it over Signal if you prefer. Um, and it could be about anything, tech consulting, security consulting. You know, we could talk relationships. We could talk science, history, gaming. Hell, yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk gaming with people. Um, but that's $100 a month. So you get a one-hour conversation per month. Uh, for that and we would schedule it and, and make all that happen so those are the reward tiers happening now the triple black arts okay if you're wondering what the hell does that mean what is it you know maybe you'd never heard that of course i have a long-standing reputation of being called the man in triple black now that's a term that i came up with that's one of the original ones from way back episode one of sovereign tech that i came up with okay uh the man of the triple black or you know the man in triple black meaning how i wear constantly all black now i got messaged on patreon a funny story by a guy and he said (laughs) he said i've been wearing mostly all black lately bravo uh and today i'm wearing my sovereign tech t-shirt and a black jean jacket and a cone let me just stop there Man, you got to be looking so sexy in that. You know, a Sovereign Tech t-shirt, a black jean jacket. I mean, you're probably wearing black jeans, I'm guessing. You got to be looking real 90s right there, and I think that's fantastic. And I I mean that with no, I mean, I'm dead serious. You got to be looking fantastic wearing that. I love it. Um, Anyway, uh, so so he's wearing a Sovereign Tech t-shirt and a black jean jacket and a co-worker. First thing he says to me is, are you a part of the, are you like a part of the Illuminati? (laughs) And he goes on, I had to share. Glad you had a sweet trip to Europe. Peace. Thank you. Thank you about the the, the trip to Europe. Um, in fact, that's something else we'll talk about here in a second. But yeah, triple black. Um, I know I've inspired quite a few people, <laughs> actually, to wear all black. Now, for me, this all started, you know, and I've told this story many times because I get asked, it, I don't know, a few times a year and maybe once a year I'll talk about it again. Um, but I'll just mention it for a second here. I started wearing triple black around the around age 17. I started going there. I started buying all black clothing and then eventually it did consume my wardrobe. Um, it's not like some emo thing. It, it, it's actually in many ways quite the opposite. Um, of course, I have an obsession with ninjas. People know about that. Um, that was kind of part of it. There's a lot of things that really contributed to my final decision to wear all black. Um, a lot of the, you know, my favorite characters in comic books are actually the villains uh, in comic books. And they would often like a lot of these villainous or dark characters would always wear all black. And so, you know, I thought that that was really cool. But the thing that really put it over the top for me was, boy, I guess this would have been in like 96 when uh, Wing Commander 4, The Price of Freedom, one of the greatest games ever made, I mean, just straight up, um, maybe not the best Wing Commander game. The argument could be made that 2 or 3 is actually the best Wing Commander game, or to say nothing of Privateer. But um, but Wing Commander 4 okay, uh, came out, and this was a huge event. People have no idea how big a deal this was when Wing Commander 4 came out. Um, but there is an organization in that called Black Lance, and, you know, I'm not going to tell the whole story and history around Black Lance, but at the time, I thought it was really badass. I thought it was really cool. And I love their fighters. They had these dragon fighters or the, it was the F-107 Lance um, that had like a cloaking device and all this wild shit. In fact, I recently shared a picture of one on Instagram. Um, this is and, I, and I've told this story before, so it's not like. You know, this isn't anything new for Sovereign Tech listeners. I mentioned how Wing Commander 4 inspired it. Um, but, yeah, like, like they, these guys wore all black, and they were kind of like this black ops organization within the Terran Confederation and everything. And I just thought it was so badass. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to wear all black because Wing Commander was a huge deal for me <laughs> as a young man. And not just me, all my friends, all my best friends. We just loved Wing Commander. In fact, I remember my friend uh, Brian Smith, another Brian, uh, but Brian Smith, he 
like whenever I'd sleep over in his room on his ceiling, he put uh, when Wing Commander Prophecy came out, uh, which was a sequel to Wing Commander Four. He put a huge like he had this huge uh, uh, centerfold poster of the Midway, which was the main carrier uh, space carrier from uh, from Wing Commander Prophecy. And he just had it up on his up on his ceiling. And I remember just staring at that all the time and seeing kind of the vampire fighters around it. It was so cool. Uh, yeah, big, big fan of Wing Commander. Um, I I honestly, you know, as a huge Star Wars fan, I've said this also many a time that I think uh, Mark Hamill's work as Colonel Christopher Blair is his best work. Uh, to this day, I think it's still his best performances. I think he's brilliant uh, at it. And I love him as Luke Skywalker. But Colonel Blair was the fucking man, you know, in the 90s. You know, Luke Skywalker was the man in the 80s, no doubt. But in the 90s, Chris, you know, Colonel Blair was the shit. And and so anyway, yeah, that that's that's what kind of got me, you know, wearing wearing triple black with all that. So the triple black arts, you know, kind of kind of plays in with my uh, my passion for uh, black magic, which I really just think is science throughout history. We've talked about that. We talked about that during my Castlevania review, uh, which cast season two of Castlevania is coming out soon um, and and so on. But anyway, let's um, yeah, let me get into another thing here quick. So my European trip, uh, I actually heard also from another patron who said that he happened to be in Paris at the same time. And <laughs> and he said it would have been great to talk to the stallion, you know, to say hi and, and meet up. Um, this is something I'm looking into. I talked to Stephanie a bit about it and, you know, the idea of and only for patrons that I would do a, a Patreon meetup um, if I'm ever traveling. You know, um, there's a security concern around telling people where you're going and what you're doing, you know, when you go out and about, uh, you know, and that's a very real one. And I pay attention to that. But I think with the patrons, especially longtime patrons, you know, we have a degree of trust built between each other. And I, you know, I think that that would actually be I think that'd be pretty cool. So that's something I don't have any plans to travel really. I mean, anywhere outside of New Hampshire, um, I don't have any real plans to travel or outside of New England, I should say. I don't have any plans to travel throughout the rest of 2018, but in the future, yeah, I think I might consider that. I'll put it out there that I'm going to be in this city, and maybe we can set something up uh, with the patrons if people are around. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, that's just want you to know I heard you. I'm honored that you wanted to meet up. I, I mean, I really am. Uh, it is amazing that, well, all the little places where Sovereign Tech kind of comes together with people. I mean, I know, I know people who have, like, who are in, romantic relationships now that met each other in in coffee houses just out of nowhere they, they met each other because you know they either had a sovereign tech sticker or because they were listening to sovereign tech somehow openly whatever it was uh, I, I i think that's dynamite so yeah love to meet everybody of course uh, you know at any given time and i've met you at certain conferences some of you but i'd love to meet more of you you know and maybe do like a fun meetup i think that'd be great so okay wow we've been talking for 20 minutes and we didn't get to any of the questions yet <laughs> we need to do that um, so let's make this happen. Oh, shit. You know, no, you know what? Uh, I, I want to just put in a, a little update to things we talked about on previous Q&As and on Sovereign Tech Prime episodes. Um, worldwide Torrents. I had said, I, th- I think it might have been an actually this question might have been from a Q&A, but Worldwide Torrents is back. Or no, I talked about it at the beginning of a Prime episode, but it is officially back. They're a little slow today on uploading the comic books. Like usually all that stuff's up by like 9 a.m. or something, or a lot of them are. And it's been a little slow, a little slow today, but WorldwideTorrents.me is back in action. And they've been back in action actually like the day after I mentioned it on a Sovereign Tech Prime episode, they were back up. So 
you know, it's definitely one of, uh, I consider it one of the top torrent sites out there. Um, you know, you're going to want to check that out if you want. Of course, with that being back, the Pirate Bay has been down for a good long while. Um, I will say, though, the the onion, uh, the onion, <laughs> the dot onion address, the dot onion address, as in the tour uh, version of the page, has been regularly up. Uh, and there's still plenty of torrents getting uploaded to it. So um, I put a link for the dot uh, onion address for uh, for the Pirate Bay if you need it um, in the show notes for this episode. So so Pirate Bay is not really down. It's just on tour. Honestly, I wouldn't mind if it just stayed on tour, you know, and, and it was never like, you know, available on the broader web. I, I think that be, that'd be OK. But anyway, so, you know, these these sites are up and out there. If you thought that they were down, they're actually still out there. And Worldwide Torrents did change their URL. It wasn't .eu anymore. It went to .me. Uh, but, they're, but they're alive and happy. So, okay, uh, or live and kicking, I should say. So let's get into our questions finally. And all of these were asked on the on Patreon in various forms, and I really appreciate that. I love it that, you know, that people are using the Patreon page in general. Uh, it's really the hub where I like to interact um, and do things. So because I don't really spend much time on much of other social media, so that's really the place uh, to get all of your updates on what's going on. Like I announced a week in advance that, you know, Sovereign Tech would be a day late this week on Patreon. It was a public post for everybody to see. So it's just a great thing to follow even, and I need to say this on a Sovereign Tech Prime episode, even if you're not going to become a patron, it's a great idea to follow Sovereign Tech on Patreon because announcements get published there. So, okay, um, yeah, let's let's start off with this. So we 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 talked some tech earlier. This is a this is a great question. One that I think I might build on. Like I might make this not not a series of podcasts, but a series of questions, like a series that I'll I'll keep talking about uh, when there's time. And so here's a question. It's a uh, hey stallion. It's not a tech question, but for a future subscriber Q and A, I'd love to hear about your favorite conspiracy theories or unsolved cold cases. Uh, thanks for all the brilliant content and interesting ideas. Uh, honored by that always. Um, you know, I, I got to say, because as much I kind of talked about at the beginning of this week's Sovereign Tech Prime episode, as much hate mail as I get, um, you know, a lot of the love mail is pretty much always saying, wow, you know, you're just saying shit I don't think I ever would I would have heard anywhere else. And that is one of the greatest compliments um, that I can get. You don't have to agree with me, but for you to respect and to appreciate what's getting put out there, you know, that this is very unique stuff that that just means the world. And, you know, in my mind, if there were a mission, mission accomplished. But anyway, or, you know, one of the missions accomplished, I guess. So, yeah. ooh, favorite conspiracy theories and cold cases, cold cases. That's something I, I think about those a lot, um, which cold cases are, you know, just these unsolved crimes and things like this. Um, I'm definitely very, very intrigued. Uh, by that sort of thing. I mean, there, there's really some, you know, some wild stuff, uh, you know, to talk about in that realm. And as far as conspiracy theories, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, we, I used the term dilettante earlier, which means, you know, dilettante is like the lesser level of a connoisseur. Um, I don't know that I necessarily call myself a connoisseur of conspiracy theories, but I'm certainly a dilettante of them. I'm very interested in them. Um, in fact, when I was in Europe and talking with friends and everything, uh, including some new friends that were made, uh, you know, I would get into and start talking about like, um, well, there was the book that I did a book review of for Patreon, uh, Blood of the, was a Bloodline of the Gods by Nick Redfern, where, hey, you know, what blood type do you have? And then you can kind of get into it. And I have to start off with, look, I don't believe in aliens, but there's this theory that you know, typo negative people 
uh, you know, with that blood type are actually aliens. They're not human at all. And it just makes for a very fun conversation, you know, to, to get into that. Um, and, and really introduces people to me in the way that they know, okay, this guy is, this is a pretty unconventional guy here. <laughs> so, but I always have to preface it with, I generally like as much as I know about these conspiracy theories, as much as I read about them and I read a lot about them. Um, I don't necessarily believe all of them. Um, if I mean, in, in fact, most of the very popular conspiracy theories that are out there, um, I don't believe, or I have a completely different take on it and a take that I don't really hear anywhere else. Um, like, you know, we mentioned earlier about, you know, a guy got asked, it's like, well, are you a part of the Illuminati? Um, you know, the Illuminati, I, I would be, I mean, the Illuminati that actually existed, and this isn't one of my favorite conspiracy theories, but I could talk about it at some point in the future. Um, the Illuminati that actually existed under Adam Weisenhaupt, you know, the Bavarian Illuminati and so on, uh, that would end up kind of injecting itself into Freemasonry and so on. If you read its tenets, you know, and like kind of what its goals were getting rid of, you know, monarchy, religion and all these other things. Um, hey, you know, as an anarchist, why would I argue with that? <laughs> you know, uh, it just it gets the problem is, is that I mean, here's the thing with a lot of conspiracy theories that we have to understand. In fact, this this plays into what we're what, the one I'm going to get into is that so many conspiracy theories come with our are, are package deal with Christian ideology and Christian concerns, Satanism and so on. As to where if you just took them and you rem you took the Christianity aspects out of the package deal, they're either meaningless, harmless, or maybe even benign. Okay, if you remove the, the, the Christian component from the conspiracy theory, and most people don't do that, okay, because they just have this very broad sense of evil, you know, that they, that they want to believe in, and yet they don't understand. It's kind of like what Richard Dawkins talks about, where Richard Dawkins says, I'm a culture, you know, he says he's a cultural Christian, okay, meaning that, no, I'm not a Christian, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm an atheist, but I've also like come to respect and appreciate the culture that Christianity has effectively promoted and prompted. Okay. So it's with conspiracy theories. And this is what I think is the one key for me that allows me to have unique takes and different takes and a, a fairly unique understanding of a lot of these conspiracy theories is that I don't consider myself even a cultural Christian. And I sure as hell am not a Christian. Uh, and so, you know, I can, I can remove those aspects from it. And then and because I, I'm so familiar, though, with Christianity, because at one point I was, you know, I'm so familiar with Christianity, all different denominations. I really am. Um, because of that, I can see where the Christian components are within a conspiracy. And then I can remove them and I can see what's left and then figure out the reality and what's actually going or, you know, well, I can get a unique perspective on it and not to say the reality of it, but a unique perspective. So anyway, I appreciate you asking about that. I know people love it when I talk about history. They love it when I talk about conspiracies. And it's definitely something I'm going to be talking about a lot, lot more, especially on Patreon. Um, and it particularly like in that five dollar tier, like I said, a lot of this stuff is going to come up. Uh, it'll come up in prime episodes, too, you know, when people ask questions about it. But uh, it's definitely something I want to concentrate on a lot more because I think there's a lot to say as far as that goes. So anyway, uh, the conspiracy, one of my favorite conspiracies, like I said, I'm going to do a bunch of these. OK, but for this week, we'll do one and then we'll kind of move on. Um, honestly, some of my favorite conspiracies, because they're what got me into conspiracy, conspiracy theories in the first place. 
And I'm not using the term conspiracy theory necessarily as pejorative because some conspiracies are absolutely fucking real, you know. And so, you know, it's a term that describes a thing. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be a pejorative. Um, you know, the how I first got into conspiracy theories was I was accused of being a part of one. I was because I'm I'm ethnically Jewish. Uh, I was in fact, at the time that I got accused, I was an atheist, um, but I got accused of being effectively a lizard Jew. And that started me down the whole trail. And like, you know, you start reading about David Icke and, you know, find out about all these other people and you go, holy shit, there's a lot of people that really believe this. And and some people do think that really the lizard thing is just a metaphor and that actually everything David Icke is saying is really just a metaphor, but he is laying out some kind of grand truth. Uh, I don't agree with that either. But anyway, regardless, um, I have heard, you know, especially when I became a Christian later on, uh, you know, Christianity is just laced. Well, it's like one giant cosmic conspiracy, right? That Satan is engaging in. He's trying to dupe everybody. And that's the great conspiracy. Um, now, so in Christianity, you have some of the just some of the best, some of the best conspiracy theories, some of the most interesting ones. And so some of my favorite ones are actually ones that have to do with, well, to use the phrase, my people uh, that have to do with Jews, uh, because I am curious, you know, you can't help when you're raised Jewish, which I was okay, became an atheist as a teenager, a Christian when I entered when I went into the military uh, and then was a Christian for a little while after that. And then fortunately came to my senses and I became an atheist, uh, you know, again in my my later 20s. Um, but anyway, you know, I was raised originally, you know, going, you know, going to synagogue, the whole thing. And you can't I mean, they just they hammer upon you, you know, how guess what? Because of your ethnicity, you have been you have been the bastard stepchild of history. And you have been constantly stepped upon, trod upon, fucked with, oppressed, and so on, you know, and you got to be ready at all times because it might just happen again. And a lot of conspiracies revolve around this idea, though, that 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 the the oppression that the Jews have gone through has often been justified, justified in that. You know, I mean, it's one thing to say when, you know, you're being conquered by Babylon, you know, the northern and southern kingdoms of, uh, you know, of Israel. Uh, that that's a different kind of thing. But, you know, the idea that all oh, the Rothschilds are running all the banks. So oh, this person's running all the banks. You know, the Jews are they're really controlling the world uh, because they're only one percent of the population. But everybody that's famous and everybody that has money is a Jew and blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, these are the kind of things that, that, that kind of come out there. And so that gets played off as a justification that the Jews are actually working for Satan. They're Christ killers, so on. Not ev- not every Christian believes that. And I and, and if you are a Christian listening to the sound of my voice, obviously, if you don't believe that, well, then I'm not talking about you, right? Okay, when I use the term Christian. But you get a lot of these things. So one of the arguments for, you know, one of the ways that they explain this, that a Christian will explain this, is that, okay, wait a minute. So, but Jesus was a Jew. So how can Jews be like the the satanic workers? How, how can they be this great evil? How can they be the Rothschilds if they're the chosen people by God? Like that that doesn't add up. Well, there's a conspiracy, and this is the one I want to do this week. There, there is a theory that the Jews today are not the Israelites, that they're not the Jews of yore. Okay, they are not, uh, you know, they're not the descendants of King David. They are not the, you know, they're not the people of King David and King Solomon and so on. Um, the theory goes is that actually a lot of people that, I mean, there are Jews that, you know, Christian, some Christians, again, if you don't believe this, I'm not talking about you, but I'm just going to use the term Christians, okay? 
there are Christians who will say uh, to you that, or, you know, that will say that, well, okay, there are some Jews out there that are actually like the original, you know, Jews that, that were the same as, you know, David and so on. And they would argue, well, uh, where to start with this? But anyway, but, but they would argue that the Jews were effectively, um, that there was a, not, not a kind of an assimilation, okay, a peaceful penetration of another people into the Israelites, okay, uh, that, and those people, they're not actually Jews, but they ended up taking over the Jew, you know, what existed of, of the Jewish people and really of the Jewish religion and so on. Um, now, the people that they're talking about, and we're talking about this happened, you know, on the order of some odd, you know, anywhere between 3,000 years ago to, you know, 2,500 years ago. Within that time frame, this sort of thing was happening. And the people that they're talking about are what's known as the Edomites. Now, who are the Edomites? Well, interesting thing. The Edomites uh, were a people were actually the descendants of, I mean, if you're going to believe Torah, if you're going to believe the Bible, the Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Now, maybe you don't know in the story of Gen- or in the book of Genesis, like the story of Jacob and Esau. Okay. Which Isaac, who's the son of Abraham, right? The Abrahamic religions. Okay. Isaac has two sons. He has Jacob and Esau. And there is a classic story that happens between these two where Esau is actually the older son uh, between the two. And so he's supposed to get all of the birthrights and everything and, and inherit all of, honestly, inherit all the promises from God. Okay. From Elohim, right? He's supposed to get all of those promises because he's the descendant of, you know, he's the oldest descendant of Isaac. Well, a bit of trickery happens. And in fact, well, Jacob's name. Anyway, that gets into a whole thing where he ends up being named trickster, uh, which other people use to kind of say that the, the Jews are, are inherently evil because their their ultimate dis, or their ultimate progenitor is <laughs> is called trickster. And so everybody, they're all pulling a trick. But anyway, that that's another story. Um, but Esau loses his birthright to Jacob. OK, and then Esau, you know, kind of the, the history goes Esau runs off. Okay, and and kind of founds his own nation. Now, Esau, he was named Esau in reference to the idea that he had red hair all over him. So he's this red haired individual. Okay, and the Edomites would be known as kind of like these red haired people. I mean, obviously, not all of them could be red haired, but but that's but the color red is a big part of this. Okay, and that I'm going to explain later on. So, but Esau ends up founding this nation called Edom. Now, this is not the first time that this kind of claim has ever been made. Uh, You have where, you know, where you have Abraham's other son that he didn't have through Sarah, okay, um, who ends up, you know, Ishmael, who ends up being the, you know, the claim is, is that he is the person that founded the 12 princes and, you know, and, and pretty much the Arab nations. And at the end of the day, uh, Islam comes out of, not Isaac, but Isaac's half-brother, Ishmael. So this idea that there's these sons that found these giant nations, I mean, very popular concept throughout history. You know, not, not, a, not a weird thing to hear at all. As far as the reality and truth so much around all that, that's another story. But, uh, but anyway, 
So the claim is that Esau found founds this, you know, he goes away and he founds this other nation that's always very much nearby. Uh, and there's kind of a prophecy around that. There's always very much nearby uh, the descendants of Jacob, okay, who, you know, who would end up being called Israel. And then, you know, then we get the 12 or actually 13 tribes of Israel. So Esau founds Edom and Edom is this very real, like the Edomites are these very real troublemakers at that time in history. Again, we're talking about 3000 years ago to about 2,500, um, 20, you know, 2,500 years ago. And like the Egyptians mentioned them. I mean, it's not something that's just in the Bible. The Edomites were an actual people that there are independent sources that reference them. Okay, like during the time of Ramesses the third, you know, there's mention of them and and so on. And you get a lot more of it. Uh, Josephus talks about them. I mean, there's there's a lot of independent resources outside of Torah, outside of the Bible that, you know, that that references these people. So but the claim goes effectively that these Edomites inject themselves. I mean, there's points where where the you know, the nation of Israel ends up conquering them again. They're just nearby. But then the and, and and Torah is pretty clear that they like the Israelites kind of take wives within, um, you know, within the Edomites and, you know, really like assimilate the Edomite people in. But now the argument goes is that actually the Edomites, it went the other way around that while, yes, Israel kind of kind of conquered the Edomites, the Edomites subversively took over um you know, the Israelite people and, you know, effectively claimed to be the Jews. And so the argument would go is that, for example, you have the names like Rothschild, right? Uh, Or, you know, you could go down quite a few different ones. Now, the word Roth means red and Rothschild means red shield. And so the claim is, is that Rothschilds aren't actually Jews. They're claiming to be Jews, but they're not actually Jews. They're actually Edomites. And they are kind of like this this great evil. Now, an interesting thing is that, honestly, within Judaism, there is a term for like the concept of, say, like, you know, a, a one a, an idea that I don't subscribe to, but that I know a lot of conspiracy theorists do, which is this concept of a new world order that like there's this big monolithic organization that's trying to bring on a new world order. Right. They're the NWO and not, you know, Hulk Hogan's NWO either, because I'm certainly a member of that. But um you know, this, this, that there's this group that, that, that kind of, you know, takes, is trying to take everything over. And these, you know, this group of people, this NWO gets described by like, say Alex Jones as the globalists, right. You know, and all this, uh, that concept of people trying to create kind of this one world government and so on, um, you know, that, that isn't based upon God's world, because at the end of the day, like certainly, Torah and even Christian prophecy is all about there actually being an NWO. Well, I mean, like their idea is that there's going to be a benign NWO under Jesus, right? Or for, you know, Jews, there'd be a benign Messiah uh, that is actually going to rule the world. Um, But there is also the antithesis to that concept and in Judaism itself. And those kinds of people that are promoting a world order that does not that is not to hold up the Jewish Messiah, they call them to this day Edomites. You know, I mean, that's how that's how ugly this is. And there's reasons for that, because there's some really heinous shit that happened throughout history. And so, you know, like the prophets are really, really you know, Jewish prophets are really ugly, really hard on on Edomites. But the idea goes is that Edomites have completely infiltrated um, Judaism 
and the Jewish people. Uh, and this was an interesting conspiracy theory for me because my family name, okay, going back, you, you know, maternally, is actually Rothdiener, which I think means Red Butler, but <laughs> not not Rhett Butler either. But Red, I think it means like Red Butler or something. But but Roth is there, you know. And I mean, then of course you have David Lee Roth, blah blah, blah and certainly he's taken over the world. But <laughs> sorry. It's so tough not to make jokes on some of this stuff because it's I mean, I don't believe bottom line here were, you know, if a lot of this history is true, that's within Torah and some of it I'm inclined to believe is is true. Uh, the you know, the idea that the Edomites were conquered by the Israelites and were assimilated into, you know, Israelite culture and so on. Um, sure, I could totally see that that happened. The idea that somehow the Edomites have been on this long plan to get revenge on, you know, the children of, or, you know, on Jacob and take over the world and all this, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, first off, we have no sign whatsoever that Esau had any, like, plans for world domination. I mean, of course, maybe that's it, maybe because they, they t you know, the Edomites took that part of the Torah out. And so we don't know what Esau was really going to do. Maybe there's this whole prophecy around Esau that he's the Antichrist or whatever. I mean, this is this is where this stuff goes. Um, but the basic concept is and there's a few plays on this conspiracy theory is that, you know, while the Bible talks so glowingly about Jews, the Jews today that are running the world, that, and that's the claim is that they're running the world. I would claim quite the opposite, quite frankly. Uh, but. The Jews that are running the world, you know, that they're not really Jews. They're actually the sons of Satan, as it were, or at the very least, the sons of Esau, who's not considered one of the good guys and who, you know, fucked with God's promise. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of one of my favorite ones that I keep hearing is that Jews aren't actually Jews. We're some kind of like evil, you know, I mean, and, and honestly, like compared to a lot of Christian ideology, um, I am evil, you know, like, <laughs> So I could almost have fun, you know, with, with the conspiracy theory, uh, you know, as, as, as far as that goes. Um, I mean, this gets into like it does highlight some interesting points that I think shines a light on the really not so monotheistic history of Judaism and and of the Israelites and of the Jewish people. Um, I think. You know, like this, this. So the Edomites themselves, which, like I said, I think historically and because there's so much historical evidence for them, I do think that they ended up getting assimilated into the kingdoms of Israel. Um, I really think that they happened. I mean, and also under Nebuchadnezzar, the second, like they helped uh, conquer, uh, you know, the, Judea. And so, I mean, that's part of the reason why they're talked about so nastily. Uh and that's also where I think kind of the idea of these world conquerors being called Edomites comes from, right? Because Babylon is one of the concerns that, you know, Daniel would end up bringing up and so on, you know, from the book of Daniel. Um, but the Edomites did have their own uh, religion. They had their own very, I don't want to say it's unique, actually quite the opposite, but they had their own religion. Um, they, they believed in a deity called Kos and Kos is very interchangeable when you read about and you learn about or what evidence we have for Kos. It's very interchangeable with the God of the Hebrews, you know, with with uh, YHWH. OK, um, which I know a lot of people want to say that that's Yahweh. Um, no, I've said this many, many times over. I don't think we know what the Tetragrammaton, which is why you know, uh, YHWH. I don't think that we know how that's actually pronounced, um, because if somebody did know how to pronounce it, I think weird things would happen. Um, 
but that's all I'm going to say about that for right now. So, you know, like these are very interchangeable deities, and I dare argue that the concept, like of you know YHWH and so on, may have actually, or like the like the monotheism of Judaism may have actually come from the assimilation of you know, of the Edomites through, through a time frame of 500 years there. I mean, there was just this very long period where, where they were constantly being, um, I mean, and there's points where it was the Jews or the, you know, the Israelites conquering the Edomites. And there's points where it's the Edomites really inserting themselves into, you know, into is into the Israelite kingdoms. So, yeah, I, I think that that, I, I because of the interchangeability of that, I, I kind of wonder, you know, how much that had to do with with monotheism, because I don't think I don't think at all, really, that that Judaism was initially like so much of a or at least it wasn't a male monotheistic religion. There might have been other things involved. In fact, there's some arguments that the Edomites actually worshipped uh, uh, Ashtaroth, which is Ishtar, a form of Ishtar. Um, I think that there are points where really the Jews were worshipping Ishtar. But that's, again, another you know kind of conspiracy of history uh, that we would have to talk about. But I do think that there's a major role that was played. However, I don't think it's that, oh, shit, they're Satan and, you know, the Jews aren't the Jews today, blah, blah, blah. I think that that's that's utter, utter nonsense um, in my own family. I mean, and you could say, well, it was all forged. I mean, in my own family, I have very, 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 very long. Well, the Jewish version of the family tree that goes back a good long while. OK, <laughs> I, I know how far back I go. In fact, personally, I'm you know, I am I am. Within Judaism, you have obviously you have different tribes and all these other things. Uh, my the tribe that I know I go back to historically is the tribe of Levi. I'm actually a Kohanim, which means that I am a direct descendant of Aaron. Okay, and I've you know I have a family tree that that very much points in that direction. Okay, so you know this idea that the Jews aren't Jews. I mean. The record keeping that the Jews have done for so long, uh, especially with certain families and so on, like it's very hard to believe that that's that that's like a, a thing. And that's like some kind of, you know, kind of monolithic conspiracy. But there's people that believe this, that that actually it's the descendants of Esau that are running the world right now. And it's not actually Jews. And they're just, you know, this is out of this conspiracy theory comes a lot of Holocaust denial comes a lot of the you know again the hatred towards the Rothschilds right because he's not actually Jew he's Red Shield he's he's a descendant of Esau even though you know Esau was still technically Hebrew right because he's a descendant of Abraham but you know that doesn't count right we're talking about you've got to be that's why they say you know that you're the son of Abraham uh, you know Abraham Isaac and Jacob that's why they, you know, that's why when, when you're talking about Jews, they want to say that that way, you know, we're not talking about, well, because someone could be the descendant of Abraham, Isaac and Esau, or you could be a descendant of Abraham and Ishmael. Right. That's why they say the three names, not that you're just a descendant of Abraham, but that you're the descendant of Abraham, Isaac and, uh, you know, and Jacob, who would end up be changing his name to Israel. So. Anyway, that's one of my favorites, you know, this idea that somehow the Jews aren't really the Jews and so on. Um, I think it's I think it's patently ridiculous. I think, sure, that, yes, throughout history, lots of people have been. I mean, you have the story of Aseneth, right, with, uh, uh, you know, and that's if, if that's true, where, um, 
you know, where uh, the, you know, Joseph with the coat of many colors, right? Everybody knows that story. And he becomes a vizier of, of a sort in, in Egypt. Um, in Midrash, he gets married to an Egyptian woman who ends up eating like this. She eats this honey and bees surround her. And then suddenly she is proclaimed to be, uh, I mean, not that they had a concept necessarily of genetics, but she is considered genetically to be a Hebrew. You know, at that point that she's she's totally the legit deal. And the sons of Joseph are as Israelite, as pure blood Israelite as anybody could possibly be. I mean, like this is the thing is that this has always happened. Like there's no there's no real like concept of like this pure blood person. I mean, there's just too much history of too many people conquering and taking wives from here and doing this and blah, 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 you know, for for it to necessarily, you know, for this concept of like a pure blood to be a thing. And like the idea that like the descendants of Esau and so on. I mean, sure. Okay. Like I said, I'm a Kohanim. And so that means I'm technically a descendant of Aaron. Like how much (laughs) DNA relation could I possibly have if Aaron was even a real person? Like how much, how much could I have? I mean, come on. So, you know, all of this stuff, it turns into a very real racialism. Um, I think that there is something to be said for, you know, genetics and how that plays in, in, you know, nature versus nurture, you know, what part of nature plays into a person's attitude and so on. But like this whole idea of all these different bloodlines and a lot of these other things, um, it gets into very, very odd territory. And I, I think when you start laying out conspiracies of history, that there's this one people that has just been going down throughout time and they all have the same genetics and all that, that it's, it's a very, very tough pill to swallow. Uh, you know, as, as far as that goes and this idea that the descendants of Esau are running the world. I mean, give me give me a break. So anyway, that's one of my favorite uh, little little conspiracies. Um, and I mean, honestly, like, you know, I should enjoy it because effectively, you know, if, if we're to believe that, OK, any Jews, you know, passed down with the name Roth you know, in the, in their, in their family name is effectively an Edomite. Well, then I would technically be an Edomite. I mean, it's not just a Kohanim. I guess I'd also be an Edomite or I, I don't know. How, how does that work? Like, what am I now? Okay. But I should be conquering the world, right? I mean, is, wouldn't that be the claim? So I should actually enjoy this, but I just think it's nonsense. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I should be top of the ladder, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it oh, it gets so crazy. So that's one of my favorites, but a lot of people don't know that that's where a lot of the, a lot of the a lot of conspiracies actually spring from this concept that the Jews are either evil or that the Jews aren't actually the Jews anymore. The descendants of Esau uh, that have been co-opted, uh, you know, that have co-opted the nation of Israel and and they're really like running this kind of show. So I think it's a good one to start out with for people to understand like this kind of belief. But notice how much of this requires you to believe the Bible is history and how much of this requires you to believe in like these promises from God and these gifts from God, you know, and, and just how much Christianity is needed and so on. Because this is where like the importance of Jesus having a very specific lineage because the argument would go is that Jesus was not an Edomite because you can trace him all the way back to David. And that needed to be a thing because otherwise he could potentially just be an Edomite, but he wasn't. And so that's why it's okay for him to be considered the genuine Jewish Messiah. Um, so again, a lot of this requires so much, so many leaps of faith <laughs> and so much belief in Christian dogma. Uh, you know, for it to be a thing, but taking it face, you know, to remove all of that out of the picture and just try to look at it as, as a historical picture. And it just comes off as positively ridiculous, you know? So anyway, there, there's, there's that. <laughs> 
I mean, do I believe that there's like like I mean, obviously, yes, genetically, we can find that there are people who are Jewish that have like a, uh, you know, have a genetic relation and so on. But this notion that, OK, you actually have the Edomites within Judaism, like you have this other people that's that ends up, you know, assimilating into this people and they're keeping track of themselves within this set of people that's already keeping track of or that you'd have to genetically keep track of throughout history. I mean, it just, you know, you go cross eyed. So. Anyway, um, whew, all right. I spent a lot of time. Actually, I spent a lot of time talking about stuff in the opening. So this might kind of this might go a little long uh, because I definitely want to get into our album of the week for this week. But all right, let, let's let's try and get in two more questions quick. Um, here we go. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Q&A question for you. Um, I've heard Paul Stamets on other podcasts talking about his belief that some mushrooms are really good for the brain and health overall. I've never heard you mention eating mushrooms of any kind. I know you wouldn't touch the magic variety. <laughs> uh, do you eat mushrooms and or have you ever done any testing to see if mushrooms, if any mushrooms had a positive effect on you? Um, okay, so great question. Uh, first off, I love Paul Stamets work. Uh, I mean, I fucking love uh, Paul Stamets work. And he has the book Mycelium Running, uh, which is I've recommended many times. Um, also, if you've watched Star Trek Discovery season one, a lot of the ideas in that with like the mycelium drive and so on comes from a lot of the concepts that uh Paul Stamets, who happens to be also like the name of a character in Star Trek Discovery, uh, in, in respect to the work of Paul Stamets, um, you know, like he lays out a lot of these ideas uh, that I imagine you heard on other podcasts. And I, I haven't actually like looked into I think I listened to a Star Trek podcast, which that ended. Um, I, I don't know that that matters. But anyway, but I think he was on there and I listened to that. But I haven't really heard him on other podcasts. I did play at one point. Um, I played a 15 minute TED talk by Dr. Paul Stamets uh, on Sovereign Tech Prime because I was so impressed by this concept of mycelium. I think there's really something to much of what he has to say in mycelium running. And he basically lays out his basic premises is that mushrooms are sentient. Now, not they're not sapient. Okay. We, we make, and I don't know many other people that make this a delineation. I, I do it on, on, or differentiation on, on sovereign tech. I do it all the time. There's a difference between sentience and sapience. Okay, um, a cockroach is sentient, right? It's alive, um, and and it acts upon instinct, and it you know it, it moves, it does, you know, blah blah blah. Um, sapience is the idea that you can act outside of instinct. Like humans are sapient. I would argue that dolphins are sapient. Octopi, or sorry, octopuses, right? What what did we decide was the <laughs> what did we decide was the plural of that? Cephalopods, I'll say it that way. Cephalopods are are sapient. Okay, they can act outside of instinct. Um, crows may be sapient. Um, you know, there's a few, elephants. I think are sapient. They they can experience PTSD and so on. Um, so, you know, there's arguments to be made for that. Some things are sapient. And I think that, that but that's very rare for because that's that's inferring that there's consciousness. Um, or I mean, well, it has to be consciousness to be sapient, but to say that certain things are, are sentient. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little more inclined to believe when things are, or for broader claims of things having sentience more so than I am with sapience, even though I believe that more things are sapient than the average person does by a long shot. Okay. Um, so his idea that, that, that mycelia, which, you know, is what goes under, you know, what's, what's underneath what's rooted into the ground from mushrooms, his idea that mycelium, you know, and all that, that that is almost like nature's internet and that there is a lot of information being transmitted. 
through the, the mycelium or, you know, through, yeah, uh, is I'm inclined to believe it. And that's why I talked about it on Sovereign Tech Prime years ago, uh, because I, I think there is a lot of truth to that. And I think there is something to be harnessed within that. But also he does get into that there are a genuine, you know, there's a lot of health benefits with this stuff. Um, so to answer the question as far as how that works, um, yeah, I, I actually do in my protein shake that I make. I have in recent months, I have added in. In fact, I put a link in the show notes for it. Uh, it's called Sacred Seven, uh, Sacred Seven Mushroom Extract Powder. And it's a powder that you can just add into just about anything. Um, and I think it's a great way to consume a lot of the nutrient density that mushrooms genuinely do have. I, I firmly believe that uh, the big kind of the big three as far as mushrooms um, to consume, in my opinion. So Sacred Seven has, it, as the name suggests, actually has seven different mushroom types um, in it. But there's three of them that I think are the most important. That is Lion's Mane, Maitake and Shiitake. And these three have a lot of evidence going for them. Lion's Mane has a lot of Western medicine looking at it. Shiitake and Maitake are both popular in Asia. It doesn't mean that they actually do something necessarily, but that there is something to it. Okay, I mean something. And take it with a grain of salt or a grain of Sacred Seven if you want. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I firmly do. I, I agree with Paul. He talks about it in Mycelium Running as well. Like I said, I hadn't listened to the podcast though. But he does talk about kind of the health benefits of ingesting mushrooms. Um, you know, memory, mood, other health benefits, etc. Um, I, after reading that book, um, I'm inclined to agree with him on, on so much. Uh, and, and I, I mean, there's a lot of, and I talked about it in the sovereign tech episode, there's a, there's a lot to explore with this concept that, you know, there is this, you know, nature's network that, that mycelium make up, uh, you know, from mushrooms. And so, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's so much to talk about with that. Um, but I, I totally recommend reading the book mycelium running. Uh, but yes, um, I do, I do agree. And, I mean, I can only speak anecdotally as far as how it's affected me, but I do think it's helped out quite a bit with uh, mentality and and also mood um, because I'm one that can be prone to brooding at times, even though I'm a very excitable guy. Uh, a lot in my natural state seems to be, you know, more like Bruce Wayne sitting in the Batcave or something, but <laughs> with like the thinker with my fist, uh, you know, under my chin. But, <laughs> um, but regardless of that. Yeah, I, I definitely consume those, and I'd recommend, uh, I think Sacred 7 works great. Stephanie loves it, too, uh, if that, you know, means anything to you, because certainly she is, she knows her shit. Dr. Stephanie Murphy, PhD, is the real deal, and she researches this stuff pretty heavy, um, and I get to take the benefit of that research, and um, yeah, so I, I, I agree. Uh, ingesting mushrooms, right on. Go for it. Uh, you know, like... Again, lion's mane, maitake, and shiitake are, are the most important. And shiitake is very popular, you know, and, and it's fun to just say shiitake. <laughs> so, all right. Um, yeah, yeah. So improvement in mentality, mood, cl you know, clarity. I, I think it's there. Uh, all right. Let's, let's go on to another quick question because it's also a health question, and then we'll get into our album of the week here fast. Um, so let's see. Forgive me if you have already mentioned this in earlier shows, but have you completely abstained from consuming soft drinks or any other sugary product? Not completely, uh, especially when I travel. This is the hard part, and this is kind of why I love traveling, and then I hate traveling at the same time. I love it because I love to see the world. I hate it because it can break up my very regimented routine 
uh, daily routine and also my diet and so on. Um, and not that I'm giving into anything like, oh, what the hell, I have a Diet Coke or something like that. Uh, I mean, I have severely, and I mean severely cut down. So, for example, like I used to drink, and I hate to admit this, I used to drink Diet Coke like every day, all the time. I could probably go through like a two liter a day. It was so terrible. Like, I mean, I just drank it nonstop. It's, and, and this is even, you know, in recent years, not talking about when I was a younger man, I was drinking Joe Cola like there's no tomorrow. Okay. Or even Pepsi AM. Holy fuck, I love Pepsi AM. Pepsi as coffee. Yes. <laughs> Loaded up with that caffeine. <laughs> That's the thing in the 90s. Anyway, um, but so today, like if I'm having a, every once in a while I'll have a pizza party, okay, where I'll order like a pizza from Domino's or something. And fuck, if you ever open an account with Domino's, they will email you every day on like 5 p.m. Eastern, knowing that that's when you're about to eat. Hey, want to have a pizza? And and they'll give you some kind of deal. And God damn it, it sometimes it doesn't catch me. So, <laughs> uh, so some some nights, or and you know, if we have people over, or whatever. Like some nights, I'll have a bit of a pizza party. Stephanie doesn't eat it, but I, you know, I'll eat it. I don't really have any. You know, some people are gluten free and dairy free and so on, or some people are keto because of allergies that they have. As far as I can tell, and I've done testing on myself. Okay, where I've you know taken out foods for a month or two and then reintroduced them, what happens? As far as I can tell, I don't actually have any allergic reactions to gluten or dairy. Okay, um, and I'm also like, I'm not boasting. I'm just saying it's not affecting my fitness whatsoever. Uh, if anything, I eat too little usually. Like I'm not eating enough. Um, that's that's a concept that I've had to like consider lately, uh, just because I got to get my gains up. So anyway. Uh, you know, because I'm trying, I mean, right now I'm, I'm just about 19 inch. I'm almost a 19 inch biceps or 19 inch arms, I should say, because that's bicep and tricep. Um, and you know, I'm really trying to get above 20. So anyway, I have to figure out what's going on there and it probably something to do with diet. It's not because of eating pizza. Like I said, I think I'm just eating too little. Uh, but regardless of that, so every once in a while I have a pizza party. When I have a pizza party, I like to have a Diet Coke with pizza. Like, it just feels 90s to me. Like, it's the thing that you do, and I will do that. So, no, I haven't I haven't completely removed sugary products. Um, I still will have peanut butter that will contain sugar often enough. Um, I will have certain chocolates that will contain it often enough. But I have just severely limited it. Like, it's it's on the rarest of occasions, um, you know, that, that I'll end up having it. And... You know, I think that's the way to go forward with a lot of this stuff, unless it's like it really affects you. Like Stephanie is very dairy and gluten, uh, uh, you know, allergic to, to gluten and dairy in a very severe way. Like it, it shows up on her uh, on her body in ways that I mean, she could talk about that at other points. Um, so she just can't do it. But if you're not somebody that's like allergic to the stuff and I know the concerns around like soft drinks that, you know, they, they make you fat and all this stuff. I, I know, like I said, in extreme moderation. I don't I don't necessarily see the harm. Uh, you know, actually, there's talk about a wild conspiracy theory. There's a conspiracy theory that there are like nanites inside of soft drinks that could kill you on a whim. Uh, and you could look this up on Google. Maybe I'll talk about it in a future one. I don't believe it for a second, but I know some guys in the Liberty Movement who did. And it, that was really those are some strange conversations to have. Let me assure you that like Pepsi is putting, you know, because they're Bilderberg group and Pepsi's putting nanites that can kill somebody uh, in an instant into into soft drinks and you just keep drinking them. And oh, wow. Anyway, 
So, um, yeah, so no, again, I haven't completely taken them out. Um, I think it's a fine and dandy thing if you do, but there's occasions where, you know, um, I allow myself the pleasure. Um, and it totally has to do with, it's not even so much about the flavor. I mean, it is in a way, but it's, it's almost totally about the aesthetic, right? Like it's about, okay, you know, tonight we're gonna, we're gonna have a pizza party. We're gonna play some, you know, some, some Super Nintendo and, you know, I'm going to have some soda with it and we're going to we're going to rock like it's 1995, you know, and, and that's that's really what it's about for me with that. Um, it was the same thing. Like, so believe it or not, there was a time frame where I smoked cigars. Um, I don't do it anymore, uh, but there was a time frame where I did it. And the only time I would do it is if we were going to a casino of some kind and I would smoke a cigar. The whole reason that I would do that was completely about the time and place. It was not because I actually liked the flavor of cigars. In fact, most of them I didn't. Like, I usually end up getting, like, a Garcia Vega or something like that, and it wasn't, it didn't even taste good. Um, but, you know, like, like it was just all about having the look of walking around with the cigar in the mouth and so on. That's all it was about, you know. Uh, so sometimes things are just about aesthetic. And, in fact, I think it's important if there's something you're trying to cut out of your life, Try to see if it is just aesthetic that you're doing it for, if it is just a social thing that you're doing it for, and so on. Because you can't really cut it out of your life if you don't know its origin, if you don't know why you're doing it in the first place. So something to look out for. And when you realize that something's aesthetic, it's easy to cut it out. Just like with with uh, you know soda, I realized a lot of it was just aesthetic. It was me thinking back to, you know, honestly, 90s cypherpunk days and, and other things and parties that go on there. But then, you know, that that allows me to kind of control uh, that. So, yeah, no, on a regular, I absolutely do not drink soft drinks, um, nor do I usually. Peanut butter is also something I consume very rarely. Uh, in fact, usually it's just to share with somebody. Uh, it's not it's not something that I'll really do on my own. So I hope that answered uh, that. But if you can cut that stuff out entirely, I mean, hey, good for you. You know, if that's that's your game, that's your game. Uh, all right. Let's get into our album of the week quick because, wow, we're running an hour and ten here. Um, that's okay because I didn't get any content out on Tuesday. So if you get a little extra here, that's good. Uh, this is an album. Holy shit. Now I don't know a whole ton about this band. I don't know a whole ton about much of any of this. Okay. But, uh, there is a band called wasted and it's W a Y S T E D. Okay. That's so it's not spelled just like wasted. Um, it's again, W a Y S T E D. And they started in the early eighties. They got kind of their first big break in 1983 when they made a deal with Chrysalis records, uh, for their album called vices. Now this album, this is our album of the week. This is a classic, but it got a reissue last year in 2017 where it was remastered and so on. I had never heard wasted. Apparently they came back like they broke up in 88 and then came back in 2003. They've had albums come out recently. I have not had the time yet to listen to those because I just got introduced to them. I, I checked it out because on Instagram, Eddie Trunk, who I'm a huge fan of Eddie Trunk, he talked about the album on there. And he said, he's like, wow, he says, you know, sometimes there's an album that you listen to, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago that, you know, it just when you listen to it today, it just doesn't hold up anymore. But then there's those albums that are just that are even better than they were back when you first heard them. And he claimed that their first album, Wasted's first album, Vices, was one such album. And he was probably responding to the 2017 reissue. Um, I couldn't agree with him more. I think this album is ridiculously sexy. It's metal. Okay. Uh, and, and it's heavy and it's raunchy. It is very raw. 
I mean, it's got it. The cover alone is amazing. The cover, it looks like uh, Nosferatu's kind of on the cover, but then there's a woman in it wearing practically nothing who uh, has, like, she looks like she's kind of in shackles and, and the, you know, this Nosferatu-esque, uh, you know, guy is walking towards her. Um, in fact, there's a song on the album. It's probably my favorite song on the album, which is called Women in Chains. Really sexy hook. I mean, just just very, very basic droning, but it sounds almost like a man of war uh, kind of sound. And, and it's just, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it, I mean, take it for what it is. It's over the top and ridiculous. You know, it's not seriously about like chaining a woman up and all this other crap. I mean, unless, you know, you're doing that as BDSM and role play, like and then, of course, that's all the fun in the world, which is the way I kind of experience the song. Obviously, I don't want to chain women up in general. OK, uh, in case anybody was somehow confused by that. But um, I mean, there's 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 a ton of great. Th- this is a track for track album. Uh, it opens up with Love Loaded. Really, really nice, nice heart opener a song called Sleazy. I mean, that that really tells the story of what this, this is sleazy metal. And that's my favorite kind of metal. Uh, Night of the Wolf, badass little dark song. Um, I toy with passion right from the start. Hot love. And they even do uh, they do a cover of Jefferson Starship's Somebody to Love uh, at the end of it. And it's great. Like, it's really, really great. Now, the reissue also included, uh, I guess, five bonus tracks that were uh, there. It's just songs that are already on the album, but it says it's the Maison Rouge mix. I have no idea what the hell that is. I tried to find out. I, I mean, I know what Maison Rouge is. It's it's a commune in France. Like, I, I know about that, but I don't know what the Maison Rouge mix means. Uh, but regardless, not every song is remixed with that Maison Rouge mix, but that's that's there. But I listened to an original 1983 version of Vices, and then I listened to the remastered version. You really want the remastered version because it just comes out with a lot more punch. Uh, and, and it's just, this is classic, fun metal. You know, and just really, really grinding stuff. I I love it. Uh, so Vices by Wasted. Get the 2017 uh, reissue. I think it's well worth it. Uh, favorite track on there, like I said. I well, uh, Love Loaded is really good. I do or is, is really enjoyable. I I like Love Loaded, but Women in Chains I think is is the real winner on this album. So check that out. Anyway, that's your album of the week. We'll wrap this up now. Uh, I don't. Did I mention it earlier? Th- this Sunday. Okay, which is the 16th of September at 4 p.m. Eastern is going to be our uh, live hangout when or our live hangout Q&A. So get ready for that. Uh, We ended the last one in August live hangout. We do one a month. We ended that on quite a high note. uh, And I think this one's just going to take it even further. All right. Well, you know, we'll we'll see what ends up happening. But bring your questions or you can get them into me early if you want. And I could talk about them on there. Uh, But we do it live, baby. And you can be a part of it. Uh, Of course, look out for the post on the actual Sunday to get the links for it. So but your uh, live hangout Q&A coming up uh, this Sunday, September 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern. And that's it for your Wednesday Q&A. Wow. Do we talk about a lot? Let me know if you think it's nuts. We'll see if anybody deletes their patronage because of what I talked about. But I will see all of you on the other side.